Welcome to Thoughts on the Social World, socialworldpodcast.com, sponsored by David Niven Associates. Your host is Dave Niven. Welcome to Podcast 18. My name's Dave Niven, and this is the Social World Podcast, and you can catch us on iTunes, or uh, you can catch us on our website, www.socialworldpodcast.com, and you're very welcome. First of all, before we go into anything about what's on today, I'd just like to say thanks to a couple of people who've uh, left some lovely comments about the programme. Firstly, Abdurrahmani Babu from Senegal. Thank you very much indeed. That was a lovely, kind message you sent. Thank you very much. I hope you continue to enjoy the programme, and I hope the programme continues to help you with your English. Keep in touch. Keep, keep keeping these messages coming. The second thank you I'd like to do is to Deborah and Sarah who are at the Anne Craft Trust which is a charity that works with um, people looking after um, disabled children and disabled adults and specializing in child protection and vulnerable adult protection. It's a very good charity, a very respected charity embedded in Nottingham University in England and so thanks Deborah, thanks Sarah, keep listening, they're good friends to the podcast. Now, obviously, I'd like to tell you how to keep uh, leaving your reviews. SpeakPipe uh, is a one-click service beside each blog, beside each uh, podcast. You can leave comments, opinions, ideas. Just, just please just keep them coming. As well as leaving reviews on iTunes. That would be really helpful, please. Now, Podcast 18, I, it's just incredible. There are so many of you now listening across the world in so many different countries that it sort of makes me feel particularly, um, well, really happy that so many of you have chosen to listen, and I hope I can give you good value. Now, today's program starts with an interview with an old friend of the program, Jane Evans. Now, Jane's speaking at uh, our conference beginning on the 4th of April in Bristol, the southwest of England, on This Is My Childhood, we're calling it, on the first 1,001 days of a child's life. But also, on the program, we're discussing things to do with that conference, but also to do with Jane's work. And that's involving trauma in parenting, trauma in childhood, parenting styles, domestic violence, mental health substance misuse, that toxic trio, as it's called, and the impact that it has on very young children. All these vitally important areas that Jane works with day to day. And uh, perhaps more uh, currently as well, Jane has got a new book coming out on Friday the 21st of February. Uh, Jessica Kingsley Publishers, and it's called How Are You Feeling, Baby Bear? Okay, How Are You Feeling Today, Baby Bear? A marvellous book that's just right for very young children. And it helps professionals gain the trust of children and talk to them about the traumatic events that have happened in the subject matters that I listed earlier on. And anything that can do that, in my mind, anything that can have early intervention as its headline is terrific. Because the earlier, the better. The better, the older child. Secondly, though, there's quite a dramatic and a horrible subject, but it's a, a very important subject. And I took part in a BBC documentary that goes out, and there's a link on the uh, podcast site about that. 
but I also did a BBC uh, radio interview to talk about the forthcoming documentary, and it's that interview that we've put on to the podcast, the podcast today. It's talking about the uh, horrific child abuser Ian Watkins, who was the lead singer of the rock band Lost Prophets, and he uh, abused children, uh, babies, and very young children over a considerable period of time. He was sentenced to 29 years in prison, and his two female accomplices were sentenced to 17 years and 14 years accordingly. It was a real horror story, and there's a lot of investigation still going on about what happened and what didn't happen that possibly could have stopped a whole load of children being abused if key people that had been told about it may have acted sooner. That investigation is carrying on and being and being looked into by various professional bodies. But it's a salutary story and it's a story that we hope can also be educational. Okay, um, well, today we have Jane Evans back with us, a friend of the program. You're very welcome, Jane. How are you? Thank you, David. I'm really well, thank you, and it's great to be back with you. Now, I know you've been doing a million and one things in the meantime because you're a very sought-after woman, but uh, today I thought we'd have a, a little bit of a, a chance to sort of catch up because um, we're both looking forward to the conference that we're doing together Um uh, this is my childhood, based on the first line of a poem that you wrote, and we're also going to talk about your book that's coming out, aren't we? On uh, I believe it's being published this Friday. Yes, it is. Yes, I'm uh, very excited. <laughs> I think you should be too. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that in just a sec. But let's just catch up a little bit on the conference because, um, well, you'll know as well as I do. But just for the listeners' sake. Um, the numbers are exceeding expectations. It's proving to be a really popular subject, and we've still got about six weeks to go. Um, I hope we can accommodate everybody that wants to be there. All the speakers, yourself, Dame Tessa Jowell, Lynn McDonald, Professor McDonald, and the, the panel that we're putting together, John Devaney, and other senior BASPSCAN people are all eager and ready to go. And I'm meeting the final person on the panel tonight, um, the, the Daluki, who's the uh, consultant paediatrician. So, effectively, uh, let's start. Well, let's start with a book. Eh? How about that? Sounds good. Now, would you like to tell our listeners about your book, what it's called, uh, who it's aimed at, what's the target audience, and um, just what, why you wrote it as you wrote it, and then we'll get into a little bit of detail. Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds great. Go on then. Okay, so my book, which will be out on Friday, as you say, being published by Jessica Kingsley Publishers, is called How Are You Feeling Today, Baby Bear? And it's aimed at early years children. So children from about age two years up to six years who have lived through domestic violence. And um, I mean, people have been saying to me, well, can you use it with older children? Um, and to be honest, I would say yes, in some ways it's sort of ageless um, because what we know of children who've experienced a lot of early childhood trauma is that they're often emotionally much, much younger than, than their years, sadly. 
And I think that it's a very valuable tool just to allow them that opportunity to even begin to explore all those huge feelings they might have had whilst living in a home where there was a lot of violence and abuse. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's for professionals working with young children, but would you say that um, it's also something that would be very valuable for family members to have as well? Yes, when I wrote it, it was very much because the families I was working with when I worked at Survive in South Gloucestershire and Bristol, um, the parents often would, through the work that we did together, they would have an, more of an awareness of the effects that it had had on their children, on their child's brain development, mm. on their relationship, their attachment relationship with their child, and, and hence why the parenting was often so difficult. And in the journey that we would go on together around all of this, they would say, you know, oh, I really see that I need to be talking to my young child about how they feel about, you know, so I see that I need to give them words for the feelings that they've obviously got from what we've all lived through together. I get that now. Um, so can you recommend a book <laughs> I can use? Because I don't know, how, how do I begin to talk to my four-year-old or my five-year-old I might get it wrong, I might say the wrong thing, I might do the wrong thing. Um, it's such a difficult subject. And I looked around to find a gentle book that wasn't frightening for the children or the adults to use. And I couldn't find one specifically around domestic violence, which um, was very difficult because I felt really in a way that I was letting the children down. Yeah. And, and the parents. So um, when I had the time because of, um, you know, my post coming to an end, I just had to do this book. It was became the mission of my life. And um, luckily, you know, having worked in early years for many, many years, I could just jump straight back in there in my in my thinking. And, um, you know, then Baby Bear was born. I wanted it to be a very sweet story, a very sweet character um, and no obvious reference to violence, but for the children to be able to find the words for their feelings so that we're not telling them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I know, again, even the professionals, I would come into contact with professionals all the time who would say almost the same thing as the parents, to be honest. It's such a difficult subject to talk to a little child about we just kind of skate over it or it doesn't doesn't happen mm. if, if for example I'm sitting here sort of thinking when I was in practice or when people I know were in practice obviously this book of yours is going to be a terrific tool as part of your like of a toolkit working with a family um, you know would you encourage the, the professionals provided that the circumstances were appropriate to actually sit down with the parent and the child together and, and use your book, if you like, a, as a kind of a, a, a guide and, and, and to go through it together as a shared thing? Or is it best as a one-to-one, -one, do you think? Um, I think I would have some anxieties for the child around two grown-ups being involved in the process because mm. it becomes it feels quite top-down then. Um, so for me, it would be probably, I could see... Um, especially social workers who maybe have to do an assessment, sadly. Um, you know, again, how do you 
find out whether a young child has experienced and been affected by domestic violence. Well, this is a very gentle way to just do some exploration for an, maybe you have to write a court report. Um, so I would love to see it used in that way. And also I would love workers um, and social workers particularly to be enabling parents to feel that, you know, when the professional has gone home, um, that actually they could get that little book out and um, feel able to use it and not frightened to use it and in, in any way that feels appropriate. So it doesn't have to be a right sit down, we're going to read this book now, but maybe the parent is reading it to a bear, a little bear that the child has and saying, oh, I wonder if this bear's ever had any sad things happen. Should we try reading the story to bear so that the child is not too scary for them and too directed at them? Yeah, it's a terrific sort of opportunity to, to form a bit of a bond and trust without scaring the child, isn't it? Mm, that's, that's my hope, very much so. Mm. Now, this is Jessica Kingsley, yeah? Yes. And published on Friday. It is, yes. <laughs> uh, come on then, let's have a, 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 a blatant plug again. The title is what? Um, it's How Are You Feeling Today, Baby Bear? Uh, there is a link actually on my website, which is um, www.parentingposttrauma.co.uk. Or if you, if you Google it, it pops up on just about every website, I'm glad to say, that publishes books, which is um, quite humbling. No, terrific. Well, uh, obviously, we hope you sell thousands of copies, <laughs> and I hope you can transmit your message about parenting to a much wider audience. So, Thank now, you. talking about wider audiences, <laughs> I was—we're uh, obviously aware that you did an hour-long phone-in on the BBC, the radio, the other day there about parenting, and I listened to it, and I thought it was terrific. And I thought, actually, I thought the all the callers, all those that phoned in, had sensible questions. You know, there was nobody, I thought, that really actually came in with anything that was either superficial or silly. And it really gave you a chance to, to sort of get across an awful lot of the sophisticated messages that are involved with parenting. It's not straightforward, and I thought you did it very well. I mean, and then in fact, I mean, you talked a little bit, didn't you, about what I picked up as what's called sort of still face experiments. I mean, could you say, just say a little bit about that? Um, yes, it, it was an amazing show, actually. Uh, it was the John Darvel show. And um, like you, I was blown away by the amazing comments and questions that people phoned in with. And it allowed quite um, almost an intellectual debate about parenting, which I, which I was, wasn't really expecting um, so that was that felt quite amazing, and I, again, you know, I was humbled by what people know and how much they care and their insights. So yeah, it was it was tremendous, and yeah, we did um, an amazing woman phoning called Betty, and she was talking about how her children are grown up, but that she has a lot of anxiety about seeing parents and carers distracted by screens all the time, that she sees it in her daily life, you know, that they're not interacting with their children. Mm. And um, Rachel Melville Thomas, who was on the show with me, she talked about um, the still face experiment by Tronic. And we discussed it then, you know, and I, it's something that I use in my training actually, because it demonstrates so beautifully and movingly how quickly a child who obviously has a very good relationship with their parent 
when the parent um, presents them with a very blank face and doesn't interact with them, how distressed the baby gets. It's it's really quite shocking. I would urge everybody to Google it and watch it. Well, let's um, have, yeah, let's have a little listen to a clip of it right now. Jane, you're nodding there. Yes, it's um that that's wonderful, right? I was thinking of the same thing that Rachel was talking about. It's called the Still Face Experiment. It's mm. on YouTube, and it's it's so distressing. I actually mm. show it at my training mm. to show people how quickly a baby, a very well attached baby, gets distressed within like a minute. Mm. Very distressed. And there's so much research emerging now um, from, there's some research from by Cambridge University mm. about emotional unavailability, which is what Betty's talking about. This is the new mental health crisis for our children. And this is not meant to make parents feel guilty. I, 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 I speak all the time about the pressure, the ridiculous pressure we're putting on parents to go to work, to leave their children. We have, they come in from work and they just need to check their email because their boss was going to con. You know, we're surrounded by technology, so we can't switch off from work. Excellent. Well, listen, Jane, I mean, there's much more of that. And I know that John Darvel also suggested that uh, it was so successful that you repeat it again in the not too distant future. So well done. Good luck. And we'll all look out for that coming. I, I want I want to just go on a little bit, if I might, to talk about your current work, because you are doing a lot of work to do with parental abuse, as far as I can understand it, with slightly older children in the family as well. Is, is that correct? Can you sort of say a little bit about what you're doing? Um, yes, I've been given this amazing opportunity to work on a project for um, with Wish for a Brighter Future, who are based in Hartcliffe in Bristol. And it's funded by children in need and it's for young people, children and young people from 11 to 17 who are using aggression or threats or controlling behaviour against their parents. Um, but it also extends into um, young people of that age who might be in relationships, intimate relationships, where either they're using it against their intimate partner or experiencing it. Right, okay. And how long have you been doing that now? Um, I started in January. Right. And um, have you got, uh, have you had a, enough time to get a sense of the, the, the scale of the, of the issues, the scale of the, of the work that's needed? Um, it, it is early days, but I pretty much got in there and um, got out and started working with families straight away because it feels feels quite urgent, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were there were referrals waiting and there was a waiting list. And um, as you know, I'm a can-do person. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm already uncovering just buckets and buckets of trauma, to be honest, David, which is, which is the sense that I... That's what I went in there suspecting that, you know, these were very traumatized young people and very traumatized parents. And sure enough, you know, just lift the lid a tiny bit and there it all is. All right. And sadly, not unusual and not unheard of in so many of our communities as well. There's so many families out there with children that age that are not just struggling to understand sort of, if you like, teenage or young, young and up to teenage angst and so forth, but violence in the family as well. And 
all the learned violence that they get from violent parents and all the learned violence they get from external influences, it's a huge and very, very acute problem, isn't it? Um, sadly, it is, you know, to a lesser or greater extent. You know, we, we are just not emotionally connecting with our children and our young people at a level that they need. Mm. Um, and, you know, to sort of take it back to the still face experiment, um, that child, that baby in there, she's a really loved child who's had great attention from her parents. But it, it they, the distress she experiences emotionally happens really fast but of course then mum switches and comes back in and comforts her and it's all good and 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 so the child you know their emotional state is regulated really quickly and it's all good but what we know and and why I'm so passionate as I know you are about the the early intervention conference that that we're putting on mm -hmm. um is that we know there are increasingly children where they are emotionally distressed and distraught and the comforting is not coming in yeah so when we think of trauma we tend to think of the big ones you know quite rightly like domestic violence child sexual abuse um you know living with alcoholic parents or drug dependent th this, these are huge buckets of trauma um, which obviously we need to get in much, much earlier down the line. Um, but also there's the trauma that's coming where adults, parents now are under so much pressure that to then be really fully emotionally engaged and available for their children is a massive ask. It's like anything, isn't it? I mean, you know, in some respects, parenting is no different from any other aspect of sort of living today. You know, the, the earlier that you get it right, the longer you keep it right. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's almost so obvious that I can't believe we even need to put on a conference, but we really do. Um, because now all the research is there. It's there. We've got all our ducks in a row. We know there's amazing, you know, amazing brain imaging, amazing neuroscience, epigenetics. Um, you know, we understand the chemistry far better of our brains and our bodies and how it all interlinks. Um, so it's it's so evidence based, and yet we're still not doing it. We're not rolling it out. We're still down the firefighting end. You know, there shouldn't be a need for a parental abuse project. There shouldn't be a need for all the amazing services there are for young people. And the massive increase, you know, is being reported all the time in um, children and, and um, adolescent mental health needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There shouldn't be a need for that if we are doing what we need to do, which is to get in early and put in the right kind of support for parents and carers and, you know, long term support for some of these families. It's no good six weeks. Oh, you get six weeks support. Well, what can you do with a highly traumatized parent in six weeks? And that neatly brings us full circle back to the conference that you're speaking at that we're putting on on the 4th of April at... Uh, Ashton Court Mansions in Bristol in the southwest of England and that people just to remind them can book that conference and find out how to do it through the socialworldpodcast.com website and Jane it's a pleasure as always talking to you and I look forward to seeing you in the very very short future so thank you very much for taking the time today. Thank you David it's always a pleasure.
Thanks very much indeed, Jane. That's lovely. Always good to hear from you. And uh, always good to remind people of the terrific conference that's coming up on the 4th of April in Bristol. Now, sometimes it's very difficult, cases of child abuse. Um, and you think that some, you just can't find anything that's more shocking than things you've heard before. But in the case of Ian Watkins, who was the lead singer of the band The Lost Prophets, who was jailed for 29 years uh, for abusing babies, that's one of them. I took part in a BBC Wales television documentary that was broadcast on uh, Tuesday night. And I also gave this interview on BBC Radio in advance of the programme. It's a story that shocked a nation. And in terms of the fallout, there are several inquiries going on and several people being investigated. So I just want to let you listen to the interview I gave. And sometimes it's very difficult because nobody's actually been been convicted of anything outside of Watkins himself and the two women who were his accomplices. So the fallout, I hope, is going to be educational rather than spiteful. Anyway, here's the interview. But now, a BBC Wales investigation into the convicted paedophile and former rock singer Ian Watkins has heard claims he might have been stopped years earlier. Watkins was sentenced to 29 years in prison after he was convicted of a series of sexual offences against children. The Independent Police Complaints Commission is currently carrying out an investigation into how South Wales Police dealt with complaints against him. And tonight's Week In, Week Out programme will reveal that social services in Rhondda-Cunnon-Taff were also told of a series of allegations against him as long ago as 2008. As part of the programme, Week In, Week Out spoke to Joanne Majelix, who says that she had a sexual relationship with Watkins and became increasingly concerned about his behaviour when he bragged to her that he'd been and intended to abuse children. She says that she was so disgusted by what he told her and that she reported this to police in 2008. But what she tells us for the first time is that she also reported this to social services. Every time I knew that my complaints were not going anywhere with the police, I would back it up by getting social services to do something and say, can't you do something about this? David Niven is a child protection expert and the former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, and on this programme this evening, you're calling for an inquiry. Well, yes. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that that's what needs to happen. I mean, and I'm sure it will happen in some form or another, whether it's a serious case review or otherwise. Um, one of the things that we talked about in the programme was the difficulty of geography. Because it's been said that Watkins abused children in different places, some in Wales, some in England, and also possibly some uh, internationally. So there's quite a spread in terms of whose responsibility or who should be looking at it, who should lead an investigation and so forth. And yes, that, that, that difficulty would, would lead to difficulties, wouldn't it, uh, regarding the scope, the range of any inquiry? I mean, who exactly do you look into? Well... Well, exactly. I mean, obviously, every child that was hurt um, deserves um, a, a certain amount of justice and cer a certain amount of inquiring into how that could have possibly been prevented if it could have been. 
um, every relative of a child who was hurt who wasn't actually uh, involved in any way needs uh, to be reassured that um, all things that were done could have been done and all the professionals in the situation, whether it's police, health, social services, anywhere else, actually need to be uh, discussed with and inquired into to see if uh, lessons could be learned. I don't want to prejudice any investigations, either ongoing or possible, but do you think, from what you know and from what you've looked at in this case, that Watkins' celebrity status might have, might have been a factor? Well, all I can say to that is it could have been. I mean, we've seen before situations where it appears that um, celebrities who have been convicted, this is, I mean, I know there's plenty at the moment who are um, undergoing trials, etc., but those that have been convicted in the past may well have escaped justice just that bit longer. And of course, you know, Jimmy Savile's the absolute um, example of this, where people didn't come forward because of the celebrity that he attracted to him and the power that that wielded. I'm sure that that may have been a case in some, but we, we can only find that out when there's an inquiry. Mm. There's also the possibility that that celebrity wasn't a factor here and that other cases may have gone uninvestigated, isn't there? From, well, from, from mean, other from the, other potential offenders. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, a, that's a possibility too. Well, of course. I mean, it's the old story, I'm afraid. You don't know what you don't know uh, until you look into it. And um, again, we're right back to the beginning of your first question about who should look into it, where should it be looked into, and what should be the scope of mm. the investigation. So what do you do? Do, 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 you, do you, you start with what you do now, I guess? Well, you start with what you do know, and there's quite a lot of things in this case that actually are, I, I think educational if you like i mean it should never happened and uh, we all think it was terrible what happened to children but i would think of things like the women involved in this case i mean i think that should put people on, on the alert that that not all abusers are men and not all women abusers are those are totally under the the power of kind of svengali men you know there are those who through free choice choose to uh, abuse the children as well and um, in this particular case, the prison sentence, uh, the prison sentences reflected that. But let, let's be clear then, as a starting point for an investigation, and given this allegation that's made in, in week in, week out tonight, mm. you think it's reasonable, based on that allegation, to look into social services in Rondekin on Taff? Well, I'm sure, yes, absolutely. And I'm sure they're the first that would be looking into themselves. So I, I can't imagine anything, anything other um, if allegations are being made that things could have been done differently, that will be the starting point, I presume, of, of any serious case review. And uh, I think, you know, we should all look very carefully at, uh, at the outcome of that, because, like I said, I mean, if anybody, if anybody needs to be um, disciplined or, or anything really, any failure happened from human error or unprofessionalism or whatever, then they need to be confronted, whether they're a social worker, a police officer, a health professional or whoever and that needs to be dealt with and challenged um, on the other hand we ought to really wait until we see what falls from the investigation to actually before we say that somebody was to blame but it sounds very much like there's a lot to be looked into thank you very much david niven child protection expert and former chairman of the british association of social workers well that's this week's program um Next week, I'm going to share with you, amongst other things, um, some thoughts I had and another interview we did with the BBC to do with uh, Sir Martin Neary's report on the future of social work education.
and looking at all the proposed changes that he's putting forward and thinking about some of the reaction to that. But there'll be plenty of other things in next week's podcast as well. Remember SpeakPipe? Just one click and leave a comment, a thought, a suggestion, ideas for podcasts in the future. We've got so many good things lined up, so many people lined up that I think you'll love to listen to. Anyway, for now, thank you very much indeed again for listening. Remember to please leave your reviews and uh, I look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you very much.